0: Welcome back to the I Drink from Skulls podcast. It's your host, Matt Smith, here today. We have the power player from Pennsylvania, investor, family man, Mr. Dan Costantino. How are you, sir?
1: Fantastic, Matt. I really appreciate being a guest on your show, man. Love to connect. Awesome, my man. Ah,
0: Let's go. I drink from Skulls, drink from the skulls of my enemies. Um, I always love to start by figuring out just who the hell is Dan.
1: Well, uh, it's a long story, but, you know, essentially uh, I'm a little city kid, grew up, born and raised here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to the city schools and so glad that I did. It gave me a lot of the character that I, today I can be comfortable in most environments that I'm in, whether I'm walking downtown or, you know, I've had to develop being able to be in meeting rooms with people. And um, certainly if I have a few beers or, or wines, my, my yinzer accent, as we call it, certainly come out. But, you know, I'm just trying to maximize life now, man. I mean, I've, I've honestly made it further than I ever thought I would in life. And I'm trying to maximize life both for my my family, which is super important to me. So for my two daughters, I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old with Down syndrome. And she was the gift that, you know, never asked for, never knew was coming, but she has been more than a blessing. I I can't explain how much of a blessing she's been. She's the one thing in my life that can really disconnect me from my my business brain because I love to hustle. And I've been married for 17 years you know, I certainly grind. And, uh, you know, when I'm not with my girls, I'm I'm working and trying to build my empire. And that's very important to me, too. But it, it's also, you know, you know, as a busy professional, it's it's easy to ignore the ones you love, even though you're doing it for them. And they don't view it that way. So it's always a delicate balance that
0: I uh, have to fight with on a weekly basis. I love that. I love that. I see that in, in the content that you put out there. And um I'm sure anyone that's been connected with you for a hot minute has too. I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into your business because there's a few different arms. Is that right?
1: Definitely. Yeah, we're a vertically integrated uh, real estate investment company. So we are the operators. So we have a management company. We have a construction company. We're really digging in on the private equity side of things. We're good at raising capital. We have, we manage 700 units to date. We've flipped a lot of houses in the past. That has been something that I've kind of taking my foot off the gas in and just focused on the multifamily because it's a bigger wealth builder. And then we do a lot of hard money lending. So we lend to other investors out there that are doing flips and that are doing the buy and holds on the residential side of things. So the one to four units. So real estate investing, the long-term multifamily space, the hard money lending are our two main business units that we
0: focus on right now. I was going to say that you'd flip more doors than Burger King, but I had a feeling that you sort of moved away from that business a little bit because I've seen so much good stuff in terms of you're adding doors to the to the management side of things um just some of the cool stuff I've seen like the compounding wealth and and the growth that you're that you've been planning for years and years to see it come to fruition and like at even at this stage I've just I was blown away I'm like I I love the just the way that you've been able to you run the numbers and the growth and stuff like that
1: so cool to see I appreciate it man it's I loved flipping. That's how I started. I wanted to flip. I had a full-time job and wanted to flip two or three houses a year, make an extra hundred grand or whatever. And just because my my employers would kept messing with my commissions. And so I was like, I'll do a little side hustle. And I just wanted to flip some houses. Yeah. And then I got the bug, man. And once I start running some spreadsheets on what the power of keeping these places would be, I had to give that some attention. I, I used to have all my passwords, not anymore. So don't let anyone try to hack me, but all my passwords <laughs> before was. You know, had like two million in it. i thought if i if i retired with two million dollars that i'd be i mean i certainly would have been the richest person in my family or anyone i grew up with now we we have holdings in the 35 million dollar range um, and two million like has been surpassed a long time ago which is is super exciting but the buy and hold method is is just it's hard to describe you really yeah. do need a, a spreadsheet to really illustrate the power of keeping properties seeing that appreciation seeing the tax benefits and all that stuff and it's uh it's been a game changer.
0: Yeah, I love that. And what's cool there, I I obviously didn't know that it came from humble beginnings. You're working with someone, not a great experience, which we've all been there for whatever reason, you know, bad pay, bad treatment, culture, all the things that we, at some point or another, someone gets, has the unfortunate sort of Dealing with that, and you just wanted to do something a bit on the side. That's cool.
1: I'd like to clarify. I had a great career. Uh, okay. I was yeah. a good salesman. I was always in the top. I always made at the top of the ranks in the company on money side of things. But you know how good salespeople are, right? We're cocky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that doesn't always come through on me. But like you know, I I felt capped. And uh, certainly, when they messed with the commissions, I just felt like they were putting me on a hamster wheel uh, yeah. to run quicker for the same amount of money. So, yeah, it did it did make me look inside and see what can you do on your own, right? And it took me five years. I, I real estate was a side hustle for five years before yeah. I jumped full time at the end of 2018, and it was a tough decision. I probably wouldn't have done it without my wife giving me the blessing. You know, she I had her full support, which was important to me, but didn't know what I would accomplish, and I never thought I'd be where I'm at today. But now running in the circles that I run in and you're in some of those same circles, you know, my mind is set on much bigger goals at this point because I know we're capable of them. Yeah,
0: I love that. That's really cool to share the fact that you didn't really know where it was going to go, but you were passionate about it, I'm guessing, and you've been able to turn that into a flourishing business. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. And I would say passion is certainly the number one thing. You know, I have a great friend. We met through the Down syndrome community. His son has Down syndrome. We were on the committee, Down syndrome association together. We we're on the golf committee together to raise money. He's in sales. I was in sales. He ran a sales team. Now he invests a lot with me. He's a he's a very valued partner and a phenomenal friend. You know, I asked him one time, he's not happy with his day-to-day sometimes. And and I said, Well, what what would make you happy? Yeah. And and he cannot answer that. He's more focused on well. For me to take care of my family, I'm the breadwinner. I have to make X amount, right? So that's a different. Yeah. That's a different thought. Like for me, it's I was I cared a lot about the money side of things. But my wife does have a good job. She's been in the same place for 15 years, so it's it was a little easier for me to make that separation. Um But yeah. real estate, being my passion, makes me gives me the strength to endure the hard times because this would make most sane people quit a long time ago. Because we we go through some weird weird things on almost a daily basis. We've had crazy stuff happen today. Oh bad.
0: Just for the uh, viewers and subscribers at home, what are some of those weird things? I I know you've had. A ton of success, but I have no doubt there would have been a, a lot of battles and struggles along the way.
1: Oh man! Today we had a water main break on a hundred-unit complex. So we have five buildings, and uh, the water authority gave us a call first thing in the morning. Said there's basically a river in your street. They shut our water off to three buildings, wow. and um, we have to. We're get we're getting that dug up right now. So we'll see how expensive that is. Over Christmas, like we had a big freeze like pretty much across the nation and um you know it was minus 9 degrees but coupled with like 40 50 mile an hour winds, which is not normal for this area, so none of the buildings are really built for that. So we had a couple buildings yeah. get hit with some freezing pipes which broke and uh created, you know, some six-digit damages. Thankfully we're insured, but we lost a couple units that tenants were in, one ended up leaving. I mean, I could go down the line. I've done We all try to get more passive in our Income, right? As we build our businesses, I've done a remote flip down in Florida with, uh, did one up here in PA that basically broke even, didn't do, you know, didn't hurt me, didn't help me, but I did one in Florida that I've been dealing with for well over a year. I'll probably lose, you know, $80,000 on that one when it's all said and done. They, I haven't heard from them in probably close to six or seven months. You know what I mean? So, you know, you just got to watch yourself. Fortunately, I've been around a lot of people with integrity. I've had a lot of good JV partners and people I do business with, but every once in a while you get burnt and, and usually it's in that pursuit of passive income. So you really got to watch who you, who you invest your money with. So I could go on and on for for more than an hour. On all the stuff that we've had to endure, but you know, bad contractors, bad tenants, utilizing the COVID rules. Who knows if he ever has worked in his adult life. It took us everything to get him out. Probably cost me 12, 15 grand to get him out. You know, all this stuff is very expensive. It's an expensive game. Everyone looks at what your rental income is or what your flip profit is yeah. or, or what you sold the house for, but no one looks at your expenses. Aren't This is an expensive game we, we play for sure, but there's yeah. good benefits obviously or it wouldn't be
0: worth it. Yeah, for sure. Just on the had to deal with some some of the horrors of, of the game and it is part of it, sadly, but what are the things people should look out for if they're looking to do some investing or bring on a contract or those sorts of things? Man,
1: I, I have a very good friend and I lend to them quite a bit. We, we're business partners. We own an Airbnb together and I am passive in that, but they they do all the operation side things. I I trust them. I mean, honestly, they feel like family, but they've done a number of flips. They're one of the more successful flippers here in Pittsburgh, but we did a deal and they trusted a contractor. They gave them a, a pretty hefty down payment, you know, about yeah. this- and the guy came, put some cheap tools in there and, uh, never came back and just would have story after story. And thankfully they didn't let it go on too long, but 20 grand was never coming back to them, right? So they, they're in litigation now and that's going in their favor, but who knows, you know, guys like that pretty much don't have anything to go after anyway. So I told them that, Hey, you, you know, anytime you deal with a contractor, you should look up their record online. And and that is public record here in the county that we're in and the state that we're in. And when she went on the website, and looked up this guy like he had, you know two pages worth of stuff so Our stars, uh, yeah. the answers were there they just didn't look um, so I that's one thing research. that you can do to protect yourself whoever you're doing business with whether it's an investment or a contractor you should do some background stuff every everything yeah. sounds good and there's some really good sales out there so you got to protect yourself from that standpoint you really have to know who you're dealing with because that is everything yeah and i
0: think that applies to any any sort of money that you're going to spend, whether it's investing in the future, hiring a contractor, Getting people to do some work for you, you gotta do some research. There is plenty of ways to do that. It's pretty easy now. But it does you gotta put the stars and the, the things that the guys can say because there's a lot of people that are very good at selling. It's all about yeah. what they deliver,
1: hey? Yeah, we do a lot of background checks. We have some people give a landlord reference there, right? They say it's, you know, Joe Smith that's the landlord. They give a number to their friends, say, Hey, give me a good reference. I mean, you really gotta do your research and make sure that you go the extra step. Yeah, making sure that you're verifying that information. Trust but verify is an important thing, and then just knowing from an investing standpoint, you got to know your numbers. So don't fall in love with oh the potential of what this kitchen will look like or the potential of this location. Investing all comes back to numbers. So stick to your formulas. Numbers don't lie. Calculators don't lie, but don't make dollars. It don't make sense.
0: Emotions can lie. Sadly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh man, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I <laughs> yeah. got me uh. Listen, they they serve me. I think in a lot of cases, but yeah, you know, as I'm getting bigger, I am learning that to be an effective leader, you do have to control your emotions quite a bit, or you can make some bad decisions, and you can also set some bad examples for your employees and team. So it's uh, yeah, very important to check your emotions at the door.
0: But to go a little bit off script here, some things that I've seen in your content is how much you've invested in becoming a good leader with time, energy, effort, financially as well. What are some of those things that you've found to be very powerful in in building your team? I've seen some of the testimonials that your team members and staff have said about you and, you are not asking them for that. They're just, they're very happy and they're feeling empowered. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. I've been feeding my
1: brain for maybe 11, 12, 12 years. I mean, I never read a book and I don't think I read a book through high school, man. I, I, passed, uh, and got good grades in English class, you know, with Cliff's notes, which is just the summary, <laughs> the summary book. I really didn't start personal development, I would say, in, until my thirties, but I do a lot of podcasts. I do a ton of audiobooks and the big game changer has been masterminds. You know, we're, yeah. uh, you know, we're part of the Apex mastermind, which has changed my life. I've been in there, I think a full three years now. And even before that, I was into personal development really was more towards learning how to do real estate investing. It wasn't leadership. It wasn't how to run a business. Apex really changed my outlook on that and and made yeah. me think about being bigger, becoming a company. And that's when I, you know, I love saying it. I own right now I own a job, not a business, because I cannot go away for a month or two. Like if we had that water break today and I wasn't available, I think my people would have handled it, but I'm still married to the operations more than I want to be. And I'm working. Yeah, and I'm very open with my team, especially when we hit these scenarios. Say, hey, I have to be better at empowering you guys to make these decisions. Now, this is a pretty big one. This could cost you know ten, twenty thousand dollars. So we'll yeah, but the personal development, the the groups that you run in, none of these people that I'm around tell me how to get better. It just, you see other people that are good examples of leaders. Yeah, and You try to emulate them. You try to read the same books as them. You try to feed your brain with the same podcasts or information that they do. And you ultimately become better. There's a great book. I think it's Patty McCord. It's called uh, Powerful. It's, it's about, you know, building the Netflix culture. She was the, the lead HR person. Um, another great book. And I forget the person that wrote it, but uh, Who Not How. Yeah. Uh, really teaches me because I'm used to doing everything. I had my hand in everything. You know, the marketing, the accounting, the capital the purchasing, like literally everything. And I'm finally starting to get leaders that I can just hand off stuff to. Like I don't do any of the wires anymore. I mean, I have my CFO sending wires. I don't even look at the, I look at the bank account, but I used to look every day. Now it might be a week. Like that's, I'm getting there. I'm getting better at trusting people. And it's just with feeding your brain uh, the right information and trusting people and giving them the empowerment to do what you need them to do so that you can focus on what your superpowers are. Like I have to be focused on looking for the next asset to purchase or looking for new investors to help fund our new projects. So those are the two things that are going to be tough for me to hire out for. And that's stuff that I like to do and I'm good at it. So I've got to offload some of those other things. We just brought on a a director of operations. She's been phenomenal. She's taken over leasing and property management, and she's going to probably expand her role quite a bit here on the near term, but she's really helping us recruit some good talents, which I'm not good at recruiting um, employees, to be honest. They've always, yes. so there's a long answer there but yeah it's something I'm always I'll never be done working on becoming a better leader because it's what I have to do to I mean it's easy to start a business it's another thing to
0: maintain it and grow it correct Absolutely there's so much so much value there my man uh, the the power and the proximity I think it's something you don't fully understand and appreciate until you run in those circles where there are those people that are achieving things at levels that might not have even thought were, were possible a few years back. And I certainly know for myself, especially if you're, you're a successful person and you're the sort of the leader in the, in your group of friends and family members. No one's ever going to understand the pains and the struggles and, and all the things that you're going through unless they've actually been there themselves. So being around those like-minded people who are at those higher levels, we naturally want to, want to lift ourselves up to that. So I really love that you, you've shared that. I think that book, Who Not How, is Dan Sullivan, I think, I believe. believe. Gets you thinking in a different way uh, in terms of finding people who can take the responsibility away from yourself so that you can focus on what you're good at. Highly recommend that book. It's a tough one too when you're going from like building a small team and growing into a, a larger team where you've worn many hats. But yeah, it's definitely something to for people to have a look
1: at and I love that you've shared that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's something that will never be done being worked on. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the circle proximity. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there and probably not anyone that's listening to your podcast. (laughs) Probably all on board. But, you know, I get lots of questions. So you you go to Dallas every month. Like, what is this? this You go pay to get cheered on and there's this... Is it a cult? Yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) Is it a cult? My wife thought it was a cult. Yeah. She's part of a Entourage, which is great. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I understand that. I understand that line of thinking. I would have been like that, you know. I didn't join a fraternity, and and this is somewhat like that. You could say, "Oh, you're paying for friends." I mean, you're paying for access, I guess. But I will say, you get here. It's very lonely being a leader. Yeah of a business. I don't have the same conversations at home, Thanksgiving or Christmas as I do when I'm down in Dallas. Like you recognize that you're not alone. You recognize that really all these business leaders are going through the same thing that you are. So I don't want to say there's comfort in those struggles, but it does help you deal with them on a more efficient basis because you can just. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm doing. They're like, ah, I've done that before. You know, this is how it turned out for me. Like, just watch this. And they may give you this, that little nugget that That's saves right. you months. And it just compresses the time, allows you to implement procedures and solutions on a more confident and quicker scale. So yeah. It's, I can't understate the value that, that it's had in my life. That's something
0: I've, I've sort of learned and discovered. It's that it's the little nuggets in the intimate settings There's all, there's all the the good stuff. There's big speakers and networking, but it's the, not necessarily behind closed door, but it's, it's when you're out at dinner and you're speaking to someone who's gone through that thing and they reveal just one or two things. That can change, you know, the course of the year or your life even. You never know what those nuggets will be until you're in that yeah,
1: room. I, I get it every single time. And I say it a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily go down there for what's on stage, even though I get a ton off of it. Like we talked about yeah. like, the artificial intelligence last month. And that was super valuable to me. And I think Ryan has some some great stuff lined up, you know, for next Friday as well. But yeah, those dinners, connecting with different people. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. Like I just met someone new in October and, and we had him on our Apex Investor call last night. He just dropped a ton of knowledge on people, especially the newer investors to help them transition from just that mindset of, this might not be for me to like, let's let's go. I can do this as well.
0: Yeah. I love that. Let's change our course a little bit. I want to talk a bit about investing. There's a lot of sentiment in the market. There's big talk of ups and mainly downs, but recessions here and globally. And how do you sort of see things going in 2023 Like, what are you, what are you telling investors? How are you looking at investing
1: yourself this year? 2023 is already starting to be interesting. It's certainly, uh, the first half of 2022 is just a polar opposite of the the second half of 2022. That is continuing to the beginning of this year. And I think it'll last for a while. I'm just guessing, but obviously interest rates are higher. So what does that do? That does help people that are in buy and hold situations. Our rents are going up. Yeah. In Pittsburgh locally. I look at the macro, but off, I operate in the micro. You know what I mean? So I don't caught up in what the national anything is. Yeah, I look at, you know, Pittsburgh's a pretty stable market. So we didn't have those super highs or super lows, but our rents are increasing because of those interest rates, because people can't afford to, you know, the prices have all risen over these past years. Yeah. Now you more than double interest rates like it just makes it unaffordable for a lot of people so rents are good so that's one thing i would say that the interest rates are going to give investors a, an opportunity like prices have not dropped like people have expected everyone said we're going to crash in values that has not happened yeah and i, I don't foresee that happening again i'm guessing and anyone tells you with certainty what's going to happen they're guessing but people are more open to negotiating instead yeah. of just saying this is my price so things are sitting on the market maybe 30 days. That used to be the norm, yeah. 30, 45 days. If stuff isn't selling in the first week, sellers panic. So you can use that as an investor to your advantage and get them to come down in price from a, in a significant way. So I would say use that to your advantage. There are people you see in the news that a, a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of iTech companies yeah. are, are laying people off. So with that, frame it up however you want. You know, I, I look at it as we're providing solutions for people, but there are people that bought some some houses that they're not going to be able to afford right now, yeah. and guess what? They have three and four percent interest rates. So, yeah. you know, you can take over those mortgages. You can do some owner financing. Like you can get creative if you if you have that skill set. Yeah, um, you can take advantage of that situation. You know, in a positive way. I'm not. I'm not. Telling people to go out and steal houses from out out from under people, but yeah. if people want to avoid foreclosure, you know you can be a solution for them. Absolutely, by you knowing how to structure deals, again you get a long term investment that is almost always going to go up over over time, and you lock in that thirty year or whatever the term is rate at a very historically low interest rate. So there's many ways that you can take advantage of the current situation. It's not easy to do the Burr method, the the buy. Renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. It's not easy to do that with these interest rates. Yeah. Flipping's a little bit, you know, sketchy right now. That's not the reason we pulled out, but I was very glad to not have a bunch of flips going into the second half of 2022. I'm not really looking to do much in that space right now anyway. So I I hope I gave some value there. There there are definitely ways to do it, but ultimately you got to make offers to buy real estate. Yeah. And I would underwrite my deals conservatively, and I would make sure that I'm making offers that I definitely win rather than what will win me the deal. Don't make offers that will win you the deal. Make offers that will, no question, make that an asset that is going to win for you over
0: time. Yeah, that's great advice. Something I've been thinking about a little bit has been that rents are at... Probably record highs interest rates. No are question? Up. Yeah, Just looked at it this morning. Yeah. So when, if you can acquire some assets in this turbulent time, which is always where the biggest opportunities are, when there's move, you know, turbulence and uh, chatter in the marketplace, if you can acquire those assets and have high rents, it's not very often that a rent will go down, is it? So if you can secure it now. Or this year at some point, some properties. And you're able to lock those prices that that beautiful rental in, you're gonna be in a great position when interest rates come down, aren't you? Oh, big time. Yeah. I know all
1: the realtors are using the don't marry the rate, marry the house or marry the house, not the rate, whatever the case may be. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you can get deals locked in now that will cash flow, yeah. Maybe subtly, yeah, but will cash flow now, buy them because those values will continue to go up. And when the rates do ultimately come down, which they will, you can refinance and your cash flow will, will automatically increase. So yeah, we're still buying. We're still looking for opportunities. We're still bullish on real estate. It's, it's one of the, it is the biggest wealth creator that there, that exists in the world. So, and I don't see the crash
0: that everyone was predicting,
1: you know, six months ago. So yeah,
0: I'd still be aggressive. Yeah. Nice. I love that. What are some ways you'll get, you're helping people get started in investing?
1: Well, I mentioned before knowing your numbers. Yeah. So we we have an acquisitions calculator that that I use on my deals, but we you know we give to our some of our investor members. I give to my friends and family for free. I mean, if if anyone wants it, they can hit me up on my website, which I'll I'll give later awesome. and I'll uh, I'll email it to them. But you know you got to know your numbers. But ultimately, you have to know what to do and what area you're going in. I like to say focus is a superpower. There are almost too many ways to make money in real estate which can give you shiny penny syndrome, shiny object syndrome. And then you never get good at any one strategy. And then you get frustrated when you get your, because you're going to get kicked in the nuts eventually. You just are. yeah. And a lot of that is going to come from whenever you try to deploy too many strategic ways of making it in real estate. So what I always like to recommend for people is to go to your local RIA, they call them. It's a real estate investment association in the States. Like they're in every market
0: Yeah, nice. um,
1: and they're either free or they're super cheap. Like both of ours in Pittsburgh are less than $200 for the whole year, each one. So I think it's 150 bucks for the whole year for one RIA and they have monthly meetings. You go meet contractors, you go meet realtors that focus on investors. You go meet lenders. Like you get integrated into the community and then you go to the Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups in all these markets. And watch, engage, ask questions. You'll get called a newbie. That's a rite of passage. Yeah. But ultimately get into the community to see what people are doing. Talk to people because number one, you'll learn. And number two, you'll probably find someone that you could JV on a deal with nice. and earn those stripes. I always tell people get, get through those first few deals. Yeah. Maybe five deals max. And if you have to partner with them, like don't get hung up on that. Don't hung up on saying, Oh, I want a hundred percent of this deal. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing yet, so yeah. if you can get someone to give you time and attention on it on your first couple of deals, you know you win. Yeah. Otherwise, you got to join a mastermind and really learn how to do it. You're paying for it either way. You're going to pay for it with experience, or you're going to pay for it on that compression of time by doing a boot camp or or some sort of of mastermind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Circling back uh, to something you mentioned, shiny object syndrome. I'm suffer sufferer of of looking and. In- chasing the the bright lights. It's just part of my personality. My wife puts the balance on the other side of that, which has helped us in yeah. business and life in, in so many ways. But something that may have been shiny object syndrome, but now is is turned into, you know, a full-blown strategy is, is buying and acquiring assets and, and utilizing them and, and putting them up on Airbnb. Is that something you've done much yeah. of? I kind of know the answer, but I'd love people to hear about that. And what your thoughts are on it?
1: Yeah, so you've got to be able to recognize the difference between distraction and an opportunity, right? So when I look at Airbnb, I love the model, and uh, we are invested in it. I am very small, though. Like, I have a couple Airbnbs. I bought one house because I go to Dallas every month. I was like, I'm going to stay there when I go down there, and then I'll rent it out. I rent it out 100% of the time now. I just go stay at the hotels, and it pays for my stay. Yeah. Uh, and I see a lot of people say, Hey, I want to get an Airbnb where I want a vacation and we'll stay there while we go down. And and I tell people I'm like, You're not gonna want to do that after a couple of times. So, yeah. Right. Because when you go down there and stay in your Airbnb, you will pick out a hundred things that you want to fix or or renovate. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I say approach short term rentals as purely an investment. And then we have one I mentioned before that I partner with one of my borrowers. We have one down in Deep Creek, Maryland that crushes, you know, they do a great job managing it. So both. So I partnered on that deal and they run the operations on that. I've never seen it. The other house in Dallas in Frisco, I've purchased and I've handed that over to my Apex investors partner, Brandon and Kayla and Pedro, who are Apex brothers and sisters. They manage it for me. It is passive. So those are passive for me. That's not my active. Business, my active business is the long-term
0: rentals that I have up here in Pittsburgh, the multifamily space. Love that. Could you share a little bit about your, what you're active in? Oh, Cause I just love it. I think it's cool.
1: Yeah. So this all started with like a couple flips, right? Yeah. You know, I, I was flipping houses and every once in a while, I'd be like, eh, the numbers work. I can keep that instead yeah. of I can flip it for whatever 30, 40 grand, or I can refinance it, take that capital out, not get taxed on it and then cash flow that thing. So I, I built up to about 30 units and then I went full-time real estate. And then I really ramped it up into the small multis. I would say duplex to eight units is, is really where we played. And then we added a couple of 12-unit buildings. But once I got up over 100 units, my world started to change. So it took me about five years to get to 30 units. And that those were single families, duplexes mostly. We had some three and four units. And then the 30 to 100 was done with some some bigger assets, some four units, seven units, eight units. And I really started to learn how to manage those because, again, we had our management company. I partnered with someone else. We had about 90 units combined. So we hired a property manager, two maintenance people, and we ran our own stuff. Because I I I'm a con- little bit of a control freak, but having that hundred units, it did change my life, man. Bankers looked at me differently. Yeah, uh, right. wholesalers looked at me differently, and then a wholesaler brought me a three hundred five unit portfolio. So it was ten properties, and uh, we ended up purchasing that a little over a year ago. Mm. And that, you know, at that point, we're over four hundred units. That brought us another deal from one of my employees that I hired for that portfolio. Yeah, he lived at an apartment complex, and then that came to me. So now we're at 630 units and that's after us selling 40 units last year on the scatter site thing. So nice. um, it's been crazy. So yeah, multifamily is our space. We're looking for communities that are 100 units or above. That's primarily what we're looking for because we can go in and install our, can install a property manager. It would support a property manager. We can install our systems. That's why we want to go that big. So I'm not going to buy a 20 unit in Columbus, Ohio yeah. or, or Chicago, right? If it's 100 units or above. We can play ball there. But uh, for something less than that, it, it doesn't
0: necessarily make sense. Gotcha. I love that. There's been a little bit of talk about Apex Investors. And if I were to describe it, I would tell people it's about, it's for people who are interested in investing and it's for people who don't hate money. But that's just because I'm a marketer. I'd love you to explain what it is and, and talk it to us, you know, a little bit more about that.
1: It's been great because in Apex, there's like over 2,000 members. so many. People want to invest in real estate. It just kept coming up. Yeah. So we ran an Apex executives monthly training. I got like, man, like an hour's notice. My coach at the time called me and said, Hey, you and Brandon Brittingham, which I didn't know very well, you know, I've met him in Cabo, but I didn't know him very well. You guys are going to be running the training this month on uh, real estate investing. Didn't have anything prepared. We got on. He and I didn't even get together before the call. We got in and we just vibed, man. <laughs> And, and the call went like an hour and a half and it had, it, it had one of the more, it was one of the more engaging calls nice. that, that had been done. And we, we knew we had something kind of special. We just wanted to give back to the community. We we're just, long story short, we put together some videos, did a one day training. So we have an online course within Apex Investors, like within Apex. Yeah. We did a one day training where we had over a hundred people, which was super exciting. And that was a paid event. So that was super cool. Yeah. And we're like, I think we, you know, have something and we don't want to do a a mastermind outside of Apex. We love Apex. We love being porting that community. So we, Brandon and I partnered with Ryan Steuben on this. And and so all the three of us are partners on this. And we have, I think about 40 students and we meet at least twice a a month on Zoom calls. And then we have quarterly meetups. Last time we were at the Texas Ranger Stadium. This time next Thursday, we're going to be at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium having our event. And I'm super excited. I mean, we, we had Kent Clothier on our call last week. Uh, we had another Apex and executive on just last night who, who's done mostly small multifamily deals you know, and that has grown into some more legacy assets like developments and casino deals, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So we have guest speakers. We have someone coming in, a killer in the Airbnb space that's coming in and speaking that I've actually met with before. So he's coming in next week. But Brandon and I are basically the board of directors for our members. So anytime they have a deal, they can call us. We will help them analyze. We have the analyzer that they'll calculate it. We ask that they do that first, but we basically help them put the deal together. We'll help them negotiate if they would like. One of the people that I met in Cabo maybe two years ago has joined Apex Investors. He's a realtor, but he never was really, he was a realtor, but didn't really get into the investing yeah. space, right? Yeah. He has bought 16 units Damn. this year in January. And I actually, he called me about raising private capital. I spent one call with him and he raised 200 grand, like, like that. Boom. So he just told me he was going to send me a a hat and a shirt or something like that. Yes. He made fun of me about my head size because I have a little bit of a smaller head. He has fitted hats. So, but yeah, we're, we're, I, I, how I would summarize it is Brandon and I are board of directors that curate other real estate experts and we train them and literally help them get deals done, help them learn how to raise capital from soup to nuts. And we know most Brandon has over 1500 units. I manage 700 units. So. Like we're doing a lot of stuff. He does development. Yeah, he does way more on the Airbnb space. So we cover really all the bases. We've both done syndications. He's done funds. Like we can go super simple and do a simple flip and help you through that process, or we could help you put together an apartment syndication. I mean, it's it, it's really wide ranging. The biggest thing we've had to do is is really help mainly the realtors, but the newer people and in, in, that want to get into real estate investing. Break through that limiting belief that they can really become solid investors. And that's, that's our big challenge uh, that that we want to accomplish with people. We want to help people get double digit growth and grow their net worth like crazy in a way that they didn't even think was possible. Love
0: that. The leverage in there would be uh, something else. What's, what's a question I should have asked you, but haven't today?
1: Well, this is relatively new, but, uh, you, you, you should ask me if I've ever written a book. Oh, so. We have a a book that's uh, coming out. I'm actually, it's going to be about raising capital, how to invest in real estate using other people's money, using leverage. So that should be released here in February, which I'm pretty excited about. So this will put me on the author map like some of our Apex brothers and sisters. So
0: I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's super exciting. Can't wait for that one to come out. We'll be sure to grab a copy. Mate, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Um,
1: I am on Instagram. The easiest way is my website, though. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll read that off to you. It's www.412ah.com. And that will get you to all my socials. But you can find other podcasts that I've been on. Whenever the book's released, you'll be able to find that there. There's a contact form. But, yeah, you can hit me up. I'm typically on Instagram and Facebook as well. Love that.
0: Any final words before we wrap things up?
1: Man, I just implore everyone... To live today like it's their last, man. Uh, tomorrow's not promised. The guy that is in the casino deal, I'm pushing him. He said he wants to buy one of the new Corvettes. And I said, hey, you could die tomorrow, man. I said, go buy that damn yeah. car. You can afford it. Yeah. And, you know, my mom passed in in 2019. She was only 17 years older than me. Finding out she's sick to the time she died was six months. She died like, yeah, oh. you know, the day before my birthday. And I was very close to her. And I, I swore to myself, coming from where you come from, and a lot of people in general just... Always say, I will be happy when this, when I achieve this, or I will do this when I do this, when I accomplish this. And, you know, two things here, right? No matter what goal I've ever exceeded, it didn't change who I was. So if you're not happy today, you're not going to be happy when you hit that goal. You've got to be happy with yourself today, period. And you've got to live life. And I'm not saying go blow all your money, but... You do need to live life like, you know, your, tomorrow's not promised. So don't put the important things, especially reconciling differences or, or being a better husband or wife or father or mother, you know, don't put that off. Like you need to attack every day like it could be your last. So those are my final I words. I love that. Great
0: way to finish up. Dan, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for joining the I Drink from scales podcast. For those who are still with us, Join us in the straight talk for business owners and a sales closes Facebook group. That's a wrap. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Matt. You're a killer, man. Ah, Let's
0: go. I
1: drink from skulls, drink from the skulls of my enemies.